is going on, you guys. You will not believe how AI actually overrode this actress's contract. We're going to talk about this and so much more with my fabulous guest who I have today with me in the studio. Um, I am just so excited about today. Everybody, welcome Aubrey Mozino, who is, I mean, she's just super fabulous anyway, just as a person, but her, you know, kind of professional titles are, um, she is head of film community and a production company called We Make Movies. And I just want to like put in there parenthetically, is it not the largest um, collective of independent filmmakers probably in, in the country? She'll, she'll give us more insights on that right now. She's smiling. Um, she also sits on several committees at um, SAG-AFTRA, for those who may be listening and don't know, she will get into that as well. Just top line stands for um, Screen Actors Guild. So much going on right now with the Hollywood strikes. Uh, you know, people who are crazed fans about all types of content are wondering, is it going to be like a, a fall of reruns and just looking for things that you don't want to watch on streaming or what? But um, I invited Aubrey to um, you know, be interviewed today, you guys, because I think her perspective is just so valuable because she kind of sits really in the in the center, the epicenter between, you know, filmmakers um, and this whole kind of new media um, realm that we're all creating together. She's going to give us um, a really um, kind of interesting perspective and an insider view on what's going on right now with the whole Hollywood strikes, but from maybe a more a filmmaker, content creator um, point of view, uh, sentiment and so much more. We are about to get into it. Aubrey, thank you so much for taking out the time to be on Beats and Bites. Thank you, Lauren. I am so stoked. I mean, you are such a forecaster and trendsetter, and I am just excited to talk about all of this really exciting stuff with you. I paid her to say that. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> so let's jump into it. It's like um, we were talking a little bit offline this week, of course, about um, this episode. And today, as we are taping, um, what, August 17th, Thursday, um, it's just like Bloomberg had perfect timing with, you know, our topic because they uh, released some news earlier today just about kind of the strikes and where we are on things as it pertains to AI. So, uh, Aubrey, for those who may not know or haven't really been, you know, paying that much attention, um, first, can you give us a, a kind of really... I guess a top line view of like, why are the strikes happening right now for those who don't know? I know that of course, um, artificial intelligence is kind of leading um, the the kind of frustration there, but I would love for you um, as again, somebody who's an insider um, of this industry, break it down for my listeners, please. Sure. So what happened this year was kind of actually a little bit of a perfect storm. So uh, this year, both the contracts for the writers, so the WGA, which is the Writers Guild, and SAG-AFTRA, which is the um, Screen Actors Guild, both of our TV theatrical contracts were up this year at the same time. So the writers expired at the in May and the actors expired at the end of June. And so it presented a, and also the DGA's um, contract was up as well. So it really presented an opportunity for all three guilds to sort of have this really amazing collective uh, bargaining power if they were, you know, going to have all of their contracts going up at the same time against 
the AMPTP, which is basically the the organization or the association that represents all of the big streamers, the studios, all of the big producers out there. And so that's who we're bargaining against. And so it really um, presented a chance for us to really lay out some demands that we've been wanting in previous years and previous contracts, but having all three contracts up at once we sort of felt like there was the storm brewing um, early in the year. Exactly. Where, all right, if this might be the chance where if we're not going, we're not going to just roll over and take a mediocre deal this time because we can all strike at the same time, really shut down Hollywood and show these producers, you know, how valuable artists are in, in these negotiations. So um, the Raiders went on strike first, obviously. And um, they, the, AMPTP sort of got up and walked out of the you know negotiating room and have only as of like this week sat down again so it's been a very long time that they've not even been speaking more than three the months actors, correct yes yes I mean they've Which is, really I think been this in is, it this is historical right because the last one that took place I want to say what it, what, what was it in the 70s um, well the, the this is the first time since the 60s I think since that sag after and uh, WJ are striking simultaneously right and so and that one this is going has gone on longer than that one did yes. before so um, this is really a an historical moment as they say but anyway yeah please continue yeah and so um, now the actors have joined the fight and we're we're on strike as well, and um, it's been, you know, um, a month now since we've been on strike, and uh, it's really presenting a great opportunity because, um, you know, we are able to sort of say, you know, Hollywood's going to be shut down until you give us a fair deal. Um, and I think, yes, as you mentioned, AI has definitely been leading the sort of conversations because of, you know, especially with you know, everyone sort of now knowing some buzzwords and knowing about ChatGPT and sort of like the common sort of knowledge. But, um, you know, SAG-AFTRA has sort of been dealing with a version of this with deep fakes, which we can talk about for a while too, that's sort of now getting a much into a much larger conversation with the use of AI in other realms. So um, now AI is definitely one of the big, big points, but also you'll hear um, a lot of talk about streaming residuals. So for a long time, um, actors and writers were not getting very, um, they were getting pennies literally for the work they were doing that, for shows that were on the streaming networks. Um, if you did a show in the 90s that was airing just on cable, you were able to really use those residuals, which are the, the, um, the checks you get um, in between um, jobs. So that really keeps you afloat as an artist because you might make a great day rate, you know, showing up doing one day of work, but you know, very few actors get that day right more than just a handful of times a year. So those residual checks, the checks for the episode re-airing is really what kept artists afloat in between these gigs. And now that most of the shows are on streaming, those residual checks are truly like, honestly, I've gotten a check for three cents before. I'm not even exaggerating. Um, you can't live off these residuals anymore. So that's why it's really essential that if we're going to continue to have shows on streamers that artists are able to earn a living wage and, um, you know, support themselves while they work on these multi, multi-million dollar projects that, you know, producers are making a lot of money from. 
So let's talk a little bit. And first of all, thank you for breaking it down like that, because um, I saw a lot of back and forth, as um, many listeners might recall. I'm going to say maybe about three weeks ago, um, Leslie, whose name I can't last name I can't think of right now. If I had more coffee, I would. But you guys, of course, know her from Saturday Night Live and Ghostbusters. And she's been a pinata many times before she um, tweeted something about this and then people really went after her. So then she did a whole video around it, which I think was maybe more harsh than it should be, but that's up to her. But, you know, a lot of people were saying, how can you who make so much money or you in the plural of actors who make so much money be asking about this? But that's not the the real crux of of the issue. We're not talking about the the Nicole Kidman um, salaries of the day. We're talking about you know those who, like you said, are are certainly smaller. I I still think though that sometimes others would have a, you know an issue with this. We're not quite being able to understand it if. For say you compared it to another industry, I don't know. I'm picking strawberries for a living, and so I get paid to pick them. Once they are picked and gone to said farmer, he sells them to another dealer, who then sells them to another dealer, who then sells them to Whole Foods. I only get paid on the strawberries that I picked for the original dude, right? So this is an interesting industry anyway, but that's how it works. And so if you are inside of an industry, then you have to kind of play fairly within that industry. And I think that's what people don't maybe understand. Then you have to like negotiate for, you know, migrant farmers and teachers and everything else. But inside of this industry, it's seemingly unbalanced. So I just kind of want to, you know, put that out there first so that we can really kind of get deeper into it. You and I were talking, I think a little bit more along these lines earlier this week about how um, the, the kind of sticking points around AI are particularly sensitive for those who are newer actors. So could you maybe give my listeners that wonderful example that you gave? Because I was just like, that's hectic, right? <laughs> so set it up for our our listeners, right? So you get this like gig where you're really not even, you might not even have a, a speaking part, right? Because we all know even to become a member of the union, you have to have, you know, meet certain criteria and you can't just be chilling as an extra sitting in a seat. And now you're a union um, member. But even within all of that, this like supersedes all of it. So tell us, Aubrey, about like what could happen if you are fortunate enough just to be a kind of casual standby on said film or series or whatever because this is hot this is like it's hot from an ai and an engineering point of view not hot from a a human's perspective so <laughs> go for it right so basically uh right now the scale rate for a union background actor is 189 dollars. so you get paid to 189 dollars to show up on set for one day of work and not a bad gig okay you get to hang out on set you get to watch some of your favorite stars maybe do their thing but now um what the amptp was uh the last negotiations that they offered seg after was they were wanting us to allow actors background actors to show up for one day of work get paid 189 dollars scan their likeness and then be able to use that person's likeness in any other film or series in perpetuity for $189. So basically, that actor could be, you know, a background actor in another project and not even have any idea and no legislation over what that project is. They could be have, see their likeness in a 
in a scenario that, you know, all of a sudden they're playing a, a Nazi soldier, you know, and they that's not something that they want to authorize their likeness for. They would have no jurisdiction over the type of content or the amount of times that their likeness would be um, able to be used. And it's only for $189, which to give away your <laughs> your likeness for, I think, a really ridiculously low amount is, um, I think, kind of insulting, essentially, to offer artists. So obviously, if you are a much bigger actor, if you are, let's say, you know, Nicole Kidman, um, you know, you could sell your likeness for much more money. Absolutely. You could sell your likeness, your avatar for millions of dollars. And, you know, instead of seeing Which Jennifer Nicole... Lopez already has um, for a couple of things so far. Right. So she's kind there of like yes. a, a early to the party, right. An early adopter. But go ahead. But what I am concerned about, right, is let's say, you know, Jennifer Lopez, before she sold her likeness, probably could only do, let's say, two at most three projects a year, just because of the time it takes to do to be on set and to do that. Now Jennifer Lopez could be in 15, 20 movies a year because she doesn't have to take that time to actually go to set, do the shoots. And so there's also a little bit of like a concern of like, well, is are we going to just start to see the same 10% of people, you know, same just kind of small pool of actors being the leads in all these movies because literally they don't have to fly to Bulgaria to shoot their movie now. They can just sign their likeness away and be in all these films. So it does sort of also have start a conversation around creativity and, uh, you know, what types of content do we just want to watch the same people over and over in each film? And then, you know, I know I mentioned the sort of deep fake issue for you. Um, and there's concerns about, let's say, you sign up to do a movie as a performer, and they they want you to do a nude scene or a sex scene, and you go to your agents, and you say, I'm not comfortable with that. I, I want to do this film, but I'm declining to do that sex scene. And they agree to that. But let's say you also in your contract, allow them to use or create a digital replica of you for that film. There was a case where an actor uh said no she wasn't going to do a sex scene the movie came out and she saw herself doing a sex scene and she was like how did this happen i this didn't do is this this I just isn't think me is so crazy and when you told me before i was just like all right this is like you think it's the final frontier and then it really isn't but that's a lot and you know you and i had spoken about even if there is some reference to that in the credits how many people are going to you know, either stay for the credits or it's just the idea of like even your subconscious mind thinking that you saw that person the way, you know, he or she didn't want to. Um, what I think is is interesting right now with all of this is that just a, I think like it was just last week here in New York, this a bill has been introduced that you and I spoke about a little bit as well offline that says that if you you as a studio, or I guess, you know, one of the members of the AMPTP um, comes here to shoot. If you end up, you know, using artificial intelligence induced, shall we say, um, actors, actresses, what have you, those tax credits go away. For those who are listening who may not um, or might not be aware. So certain cities, I, I mean, maybe all of them do, but there are certain cities that offer particular um, perks, shall we say, for 
either series or films or whatever that shoot in that particular city. I mean, I think that's how a lot of parts of Canada blew up because it was certainly more cost efficient to, to shoot there. Here in New York, there are many concessions that can be given if you want to do, you know, a whole crazy like shootout scene, you know, in, in Times Square so much more. But all of those will go away should this bill be passed. Um, I've read in the trades that um, both Disney and Netflix are really tracking this closely and not very happy about even the introduction of the bill. I'd love to know what your thoughts are, you know, around that um, from, from both sides, right? Or maybe all sides, because we're looking now, of course, at, and I love this intersection just because it's so complex. You have policy meets, you know, commerce and then meets, you know, the consumer. So what do you think about some of these things, Aubrey? So I think my concern about that is that Hollywood always finds a way around every sort of caveat. So, you know, in the past, <laughs> you know, Hollywood, actually, L.A. got rid of a lot of the tax incentives. Right now, there's very, very minimal tax incentives. And that's why, sort of as you're referring to, you saw this explosion of film in Canada, in Atlanta, in New Orleans, abroad, in Romania, Bulgaria, there's studios that are set up. And so my concern is, that this will work really great in, you know, keeping um, humans uh, in projects that are in certain cities in the U.S. But then, you know, if they really want to get around this, they'll just go and shoot more content overseas or abroad or in a place where these regulations in this bill doesn't exist. Because I think, unfortunately, look, Hollywood makes a lot of money, but they also love to save money. And so, they will follow wherever the tax incentives are. They will follow wherever the cheapest sort of um, cost of production is. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it's a great mini guardrail, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say that it, it's not going to necessarily fix the problem. Right. Interesting. So um, let's kind of, you know, play a little bit of devil's advocate, because as they always say, um, even in a fight, you know, with a couple, right, that, you know, if there's more than one person, like both have responsibility. And you and I spoke a little bit about this offline as well in terms of like, you know, how did we kind of get here? And I know that we've seen this as well before the music industry back in the Napster days, et cetera. And, you know, there are people typically running around like, you know, myself who are looking at the future and saying, but are you thinking about this or do you know this? Or are you considering this? And it's like, oh, that's not what, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with. Um, that has nothing to do with me. And then one day it really does. And, you know, there's a lot of shock and disgust and, you know, arrogancy. And you're like, but this was coming, you know, before, as um, you and I both said um, as well offline earlier this week, that Warner did a deal with a very early stage AI company back in, I want to say 2019 to help them allegedly better green light projects, right? So that if you fed certain data into the algorithm, it could tell you, well, with this actor or that actor, et cetera, this, you know, would have this audience or not. Of course, certainly not perfected, certainly much more though perfected now, you know, fast forward four or five years ago, but that was allegedly, you know, something just different only for those, you know, those people. Um, same thing, you know, as well with streaming, right? So even if we're talking about residuals and streaming, this was not discussed before, right? So each time we have a kind of jump up, a step up in technology, and now this is a massive one. Um, and my whole position with all of this is that the convergent space is going to become even greater as we look at Web3 intersecting with AI, 5G, 3D, everything that's immersive. Um, so how is it, 
that maybe the mindset of those who are in maybe the more traditional content creator space, how can they maybe approach things in a different way so that they're not on the consistent reactive side and maybe be more proactive? In fact, if they had maybe kind of come together initially and sat down thought about sitting down with the studios back in 2019, this would be a completely different power dynamic, no? And you always want to be, you know, on that side of things, right? Rather than, but I want my rice because it's always more challenging. So what do you think since you deal with all these wonderful um, types of people every day, what is their sentiment right now? And how can they maybe future proof? Because this is not going away. Yeah, I mean, I think it's why, uh, so one of the committees that I sit on actually at sag After is called the uh, National Innovation and New Technology Committee. And it's designed to sort of do exactly what you were uh, referring to, which is look forward, look ahead, see what trends, what technology is coming and help the union organize around it, organize contracts, um, you know, ahead of time. So we're not playing catch up, like you mentioned, you know, and trying to grab the golden ring as it's being mm. pulled out of our hand. Um, so that is part of what I am excited about that the union is at least aware. I think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And I think we need to put more and more resources into these types of committees um, because the technology is exponentially growing. And so, you know, it just used to be a couple things a year now. It's like every year Absolutely. you see so much, right? So we really need to put a lot of energy and resource into that as a, um, you know, on the union side of things, but on the sort of individual filmmaker side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot that is really exciting about AI um, and a lot of the tools. So I can give you a couple examples of um, tools that I think for the independent filmmaker that, that are going to be game changers. Um, I saw this AI uh, dubbing software uh, debuted recently. And what it allows you to do is change the mouth movements in shoot. So instead of just doing traditional dubbing where you watch a movie in a different language and the mouth movements are nowhere close to what they right, should be, right. this AI software will change your the actor's mouth movements to match the dubbing in the new language, which creates a much more immersive experience for the viewer and the consumer. And, um, you know, doesn't really, I think, violate any morality issues in terms of that actor is still, you know, the actor that was paid to do it. Um, so I think something like that is really cool. For the independent filmmaker, another really cool use case I think of that is, you know, oftentimes you shoot low budget, sound is all, always the worst sort mm, of thing, so it's the hardest thing to capture. So and so true. a lot of times <laughs> you have to do ADR, which is, you know, replacing the dialogue after the fact. Now, in this case, this would be a really easy way of, okay, maybe we need to change some of the lines in post-production. Now you can use this AI software to have that actor's mouth fit the new line that you need it to do because the line didn't quite work. You can save so much money from do- having to do reshoots. So this is a great, I think, tool that the AI, um, the independent filmmaker can keep in their tool belt to save a lot of money. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the other exciting thing is that AI is going to help filmmakers create high quality Hollywood quality feature films using their laptop, which was not doable before. These are tools that should, you know, I know people sort of say augment us, right? They shouldn't automate us. They should augment us. And I think for the indie filmmaker, a lot of the software that I've been seeing is really exciting that 
can sort of help, um, you know, save a lot of time and money in the post process and mm -hmm. speed that up. And you don't need a full post house to finish your film. And so I do think independent filmmakers need to find a way to lean in to using the software to their advantage to create content um, at a higher level that will get these studios to want to buy it, right? Because we have a discovery problem, I think, out there. There's so much content, right? How do you find what you want to watch? How do you find what's good out there? It's really challenging. So I think it's going to have to require all of us to level up our game and create better quality content so it stands out. And I think the independent filmmaker should use these AI tools to help make their indie films look like Hollywood feature films, because that's the only way you're going to get it sold or get it, you know, get noticed. Right. Um, or get to the next level or get agency absolutely. representation so much more. So there is always like the, the should, right? Like we should, I don't know, pay for everything in cash as opposed to on credit cards and you know what to do, but then sometimes there's the reality. So, you know, as you're saying now, independent filmmakers should start to look toward this, but maybe a lot of them won't. Typically what I hear first around AI um, in this community is, you know, fear first, as opposed to <laughs> opportunity. And I remember before, several years ago, when I um, was moderating and I produced a panel in DC, looking at just the possibility of, of blockchain and voting this way, you could track your vote, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I was fortunate enough to have a number of very like kind of prominent guests on the panel, one of which who was a senior person in technology in the White House, I think during like maybe um, Bush the dad, don't ask me the number, but Bush the dad years. Anyway, he was talking about uh, so much different technology that was available even then, which mm -hmm. was perfect for so many different things. And he said the hardest thing he always encountered was the mindset that people did not want to move ahead, that they did not feel comfortable moving ahead, that they had a lot of issues around that. Um, what do you or how do you guys kind of, at we make movies, maybe, I don't want to say, you know, counsel, like it's therapy <laughs> with your members, but how do you kind of help them maybe through, you know, that process or how are you doing that? Um, so that maybe if, you know, we have listeners now who are maybe at that stage, maybe they could take a couple of tips or hints from that and I think the flip side of that is maybe if you are listening from, you know, a studio or a network or whatever, knowing that you are engaging with creative people who are already very sensitive, right, or, or at least stereotypically so, how do you have better conversations around this? What would be, you know, just kind of some of your maybe best practices or something around that? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there is right now especially a lot of fear um, because, you know, it's really, we, we hear a lot about the technology. We don't hear necessarily as much conversation around keeping labor in the process. And so I think making sure that when you talk to artists of any kind, whether it's a writer or a filmmaker or an actor, you know, you're, you're coming at them with um, this great tool that I think to you sounds exciting because it's going to save you money. It's going to save you time. But for them, it's, it's all about um, you know, the creative control and a fair piece mm. of the pie. And so those two things I think can also be the, the things that we help filmmakers and artists sort of also lean into because creative control, um, you know, 
if you are, again, you are saving money and you're saving time by using some of these tools, it's going to free you up to, to create that masterpiece that you've always wanted to do. And the fair piece of the pie, I mean, I think you and I, we've talked about a lot of times how, um, you know, Web3 can really help artists reclaim some ownership of their content. You know, oftentimes distribution deals are very predatory and a, uh, a studio will buy a project and sort of the rights of the filmmaker go out the window. They sort of own everything. They get very little in return. If it, and sometimes they even lose money because they end up being responsible for paying residuals that they're not even they're knowing and so it's the studio that ends up getting all you know the sort of the money so i think using you know whether it's through nfts or web3 or finding a way where these artists now can either sell directly to consumers themselves and maybe even cut out some of these distributor these predatory middle uh distributors um or find a way where you know using cool technology like nfts that you can um get another bigger piece of the pie in terms of well, I was gonna say, ownership. Yeah, absolutely. And like being able to create and bring and kind of almost quote unquote own that community database. If you're coming yep. with that kind of game as a filmmaker, I mean, one, again, that creates a completely different power dynamic. And then two, from a producer point of view, a, you know, AKA studios, et cetera, that's great for me because you, you say you're coming with like a, a base already like created. So it like, it's just so important to be able to get involved in all of these things because, you know, as you were talking, it just made me think of um, George Lucas from back in the day where, I mean, isn't that where most of his wealth was created from yeah. the fact that like, they were like, nobody's going to buy any posters and dolls yep. and all this stuff. You want those rights, <laughs> honey, keep them. We're not interested. And so of course now no one would ever dream about that. We are also fortunate because we're right at this space right now in time where you do have the opportunity to be like, I, I, I want to keep these rights or let's have a rev share on these types of things. Or what about the immersive side of this that we could create, um, you know, the AR like rights, whatever. So think about this, everybody, as you're moving ahead, because, you know, you can craft out what will become really templates and contracts in like no time at all, right? So it, it is important to really stay on top of this stuff. Even if you might think it's like boring or geeky, like just look at the look at the cooler, sexier side of it, right? Nobody's saying learn how to code. Just learn about, look at what other companies are doing. I always like to refer people to what other, you know, consumer brands are doing. Look at what Starbucks is doing in this space or what MasterCard is doing um, with its uh, music accelerator, these are baby steps with so many things that you could see that could be better. But the thing is, at least it's a prototype, right? And how can you expand that should be continually asked. Um, anything else that you want to add, you know, Aubrey, as you just kind of look at the situation and what's coming up next. And, you know, today, again, uh, I guess like Netflix and now Bob Iger has, I guess, gone from the back now to the front of like, we need to get this settled. You know, I, I guess something's going to be happening really soon. Anything that you want to say either around that or just for the future, you know, overall in this space? Yeah, I'm, I'm remaining uh, cautiously, cautiously optimistic of these, you know, uh, negotiations sort of resuming. Um, I think we still even from the little bit of news that trickled out uh, this morning about some of the, the new deals, the AMPTP offer WGA, they sound promising, but again, I'm, I'm until those, you know, contracts are ratified, I'm holding my breath. <laughs> mm. um, so I think like this is a really 
pivotal moment in uh, the industry's history because there's never been a time where I think all of the unions um, have more leverage than they ever have had before. And um, there's never been any time where I think there's been more on the line in terms of uh, artist control, artist fair pay, um, and, you know, AI sort of displacing a lot of, I think, also just potential creativity that artists can bring to the table. I Again, I'm not saying that we should do away with any of this technology. I think we should harness it and use it to our advantage to create better and more content. Um, but I do feel like if any of our unions sort of roll over and take a mediocre deal that um, we're really going to be behind the curve. Um, because as I mentioned, technology is just exponentially growing and it's not going to go away. And um, we need to carve out these guardrails now, because if we don't, there won't be any conversation that we can have down the road. We won't have that leverage. So it is sort of now or never to me, I think, um, in terms of creating a fair, creative economy and uh, a sustainable creative economy. That's what I'm I, it's what I'm working for. That's what I'm passionate about. I want it to just be sustainable. We don't need to make millions of dollars. We don't need to all be Nicole Kidman, but we do need to be able to support ourselves fairly and, um, you know, create great content for you guys to consume and enjoy and um, just have it be a really um, sustainable uh, ecosystem. Well, I am just so glad that you were able to, you know, share all the this with us. Um, I think it's really, you know, it's just fascinating to hear all kind of different points of view on this. I think, again, as you and I were talking offline earlier, it's about kind of, you know, bringing now a lot of these points of view to the table um, because it's just that's the only way it's going to kind of work going forward. And this is only like kind of the tip of the iceberg, right, of emerging technology. There's even so, you know, so much more because we're all creating it as as we go along. But I think just for anybody and everybody looking at this, what I always believe and part of why I do this podcast series and what I do is that everybody is his or her own media company. You know, you're able to record anything you want to do today, you know, ebooks, create songs and so much more. So we all kind of have to be aware of what's quote unquote mine and what's going to be shared and how is that shared or not? You know, it's not something where you can just figure, figure these out one, two, three, right? Because it's a, a whole new world back in the day from our parents, like point of view, there was, you just, it was one way, like whoever is the gatekeeper is giving it to you and that's either take it or leave it and take it or leave it at that time. We had another major shift of course, with cable and recording things and Things started to move around. Now it's in a completely different space, and I'm really excited about where it's going to go. So, Aubrey, I can't wait to, you know, kind of just continue to follow what you're doing. So important in the industry, you guys. Um, I just want to thank you so much for listening. Of course, if you can, definitely subscribe. Give me five stars because you know it's the only way it works, and you know I'm out here doing my thing. <laughs> and leave a comment um, for Beats and Bites. How much you love it. Um, as well, if you want to like have that future media fix in between uh, this podcast and next uh, Thursdays, you guys know I do my newsletter on LinkedIn every Tuesday morning. And I think that is going to 
just about do it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Tune in again next Thursday. It'll just have to be a surprise for you. I don't know if whether I'm going to be doing some quick breakdown on you know deals and moves that you should know, or I'll have another fab guest, but the only way you'll know is to tune in. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.